You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 11, where today we'll be looking at the four levels of relationship skill. Last week in Episode 10, I talked about the two features found in every good relationship, the first being want, the desire to want the relationship to be the best it can be, as evidenced by taking action to enhance the relationship. Relationships take work, and if we're not willing to work at it, they're not going to be sustainable. We may really appreciate the idea or the concept of a relationship, but if we're not willing to put in the effort to make it work, it's not going to last. Well, that's the first feature. We have to want the relationship badly enough that we're willing to work for it. The second feature of every good relationship is skill. We can want a good relationship and can work at it, but if we don't have relational skills, those relationships aren't sustainable either. We need both, want and skill. The first step in improving our relational skill is to know what level our relationship skills currently are at. Knowing the four levels of relationship skill will give us a picture of what is possible in our relational development, and it can motivate us to move from a lower skill level to a higher level as we see what we could become. Let me run through the four levels real quickly, then we'll come back and focus the rest of our time on the first level. So here we go. Level number one, unconsciously unskilled. This is where we don't have a clue as to how unskilled we are when it comes to relationships. We just don't get it. We're blind as to how our behavior impacts others. We have no idea of what we're doing wrong and how we relate to people. We make relational blunders, but we don't know we're making them. We have no internal editor. This is the scariest level in a relationship. So that's level one, unconsciously unskilled. Level two is consciously unskilled. We're making mistakes in our relationships with people, and we know it. Things aren't going well, but we don't know what to do about it. We can tell people are turned off by us, but we're not sure why. We notice how others have better relationship skills than we do and wonder how they do what they do. We wish we could be like them. This is the most hopeful level in a relationship. Level three is consciously skilled. Here we see how we impact others for good or ill. We're aware of our skills and try to put them into practice. We try to get better at them. We avoid our natural tendencies that get in the way of relationships. Here we work at self-correcting ourselves when we see that we might be adversely affecting a relationship. We're attuned to how others relate well, and we try to emulate them. This is the most encouraging level of relationship skills. And finally, we have the, the last level, actually the highest level, and it's this, unconsciously skilled. We're good at relating well with people and aren't even aware of it. We aren't even trying. It's just part of who we are. 
People from time to time will compliment us on one of our relational skills, say listening, for example, but we didn't notice it ourselves because it comes so naturally for us. We're pretty self-aware of our relational weaknesses, and intuitively we avoid them as much as possible. This is the most joyful level of relationship skills. So there you have it, the four levels of relationship skills. I want to spend some time now going over the first level that we talked about, the unconsciously unskilled level. This is what I call the clueless stage. It's where we just don't get it and how we are impacting others. We're making mistakes and we don't even know we're making mistakes. There are lots of examples that illustrate this level of relational development. I can certainly think of many from my own life. But I'm going to focus on three other stories right now that illustrate this concept. The first story comes from the Bible in the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, right in the very beginning. It's a story of this guy named Elkina. Elkina was a good man, and uh, he had two wives. One was named Penina and the other Hannah. Now, Penina had no problem having children, but Hannah did. She was infertile, and this distressed her greatly. Penina, uh, because she was able to have kids, was constantly taunting Hannah, which made things even worse. All the more reason not to have two wives. One day in particular, Hannah was especially distressed at this uh, jabbing and taunting from her rival Penina, she was crying and wouldn't eat. And then we have Elkinah, the husband. Well, what's he to do? Well, here's what he said to her. And these are exactly his words quoted from, uh, from the Bible, 1 Samuel 1, verse 8. Hannah, this is Samuel talking, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Those were his exact words. Could a husband have said anything dumber than this? You know, if I were ever debating someone about uh, creation versus evolution, I would use this particular passage to show that man has not really evolved at all because we've been saying dumb things like this for centuries. You know, Alkina was a good man. He was, he was a good husband. The text tells us that later. He wasn't su such a great father, but he was a, he was a good husband. But he just couldn't identify with his wife's problem. He was unconsciously unskilled. He didn't know how dumb he was. Like all guys, you know, or most guys, he wanted to fix things. And he probably got tired of hearing the squabbles between his two wives. He just wanted the problem to go away. And in essence, he tells Hannah, don't feel the way that you feel. He tries to use logic and rational thought to counter an emotional reaction. He was terribly unskilled in relating to his wife at this time, but he didn't even know it. He was unconsciously unskilled. A second story comes from the New Testament in the Bible in the book of Mark. And by the way, I will have these scripture references for you at the, uh, at the end of the show in the show notes. So the story in Mark 9 is about the disciples who are traveling around with, uh, with Jesus. And uh, in this particular occasion, they had arrived at the city of Capernaum, and Jesus turns around and asks his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road on the way to Capernaum? But the disciples don't answer because it says they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. 
There must have been this long, awkward pause when Jesus asked that question because they were probably embarrassed at what they had been arguing about. Well, the text says that uh, he called the disciples over to himself and he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And then Jesus, to further hit home that point, brings a little child over to him and says that they need to be like a little child if they want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Here the disciples have been witnessing Jesus do great and wonderful things, but they argued among themselves who among them was the greatest. Nothing about Jesus. They were terribly unskilled and they didn't even know it. In this conversation, I wonder how Judas participated in the argument. Was he in there with everybody else arguing his case that he should be the greatest? You know, is he the prime mover of that discussion, or did he retreat? I wonder, too, if that uh, argument about who is the greatest played any role in his later betrayal of Jesus. You know, the disciples failed to see that they were part of a larger story outside of themselves. The story wasn't about them, but they wanted it to be. They were unconsciously unskilled in their relationships. But notice how Jesus responded to them. He was extremely gentle with them. And he uses their dysfunction as a teachable moment to take the competitive pressure off that they must have felt among themselves. How kind of him, in spite of their lack of skill in relating. Jesus moves them from talking about elevated roles in his group to extol the virtue of being the lowest in society, a child. What a, what a contrast. The last example of an unconsciously unskilled relationship skill also comes from the Bible. This one from the Gospel of Matthew. And it's just an extremely interesting story to me. So I'm just going to read you exactly what the, the various verses say. It's only eight verses. And again, I'll have this in the show notes. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Wow, what an interesting story. 
Here we have James and John, and they kind of look like uh, first century millennials with their helicopter mother intervening on their behalf, similar to modern day millennials whose parent uh, shows up with them for their first employment interview. I read about that not too long ago. It's driving employers nuts. A friend of ours works in the housing department of a major university in town, and she was telling us not too long ago that the complaints they get from students actually aren't that many. But where most of the complaints come from are the parents of the students. It's just a different world we live in. Well, in this particular story with James and John, they obviously had no clue as to how their request would sit with their fellow disciples. I wonder if James and John and their mother were thinking about that adage, it never hurts to ask. I don't know if they had that in the first century, but I'm just wondering. Because sometimes it really does hurt to ask. In this particular case, the question of can one of my boys be on your right hand and one on the left served to drive a wedge between James and John and the other disciples. The text says they were indignant. In thinking about these three stories, there's one theme that emerges from all three, and it's that pride is at the root of all three examples of unconsciously unskilled interactions. We have Elkanah in 1 Samuel thinking that uh, his wife should find him to be the answer to her greatest needs and desires. That's full of pride. The second example with the disciples arguing who is the greatest uh, among them is obviously about pride. And then thirdly, the example in Matthew 20 about James and John and their mother wanting a higher status for the boys compared to their peers. That's all about pride. In a latter episode, we'll refer back to this incident with the Apostle John. It's part of an important illustration I'm saving for a few weeks from now. Well, what can we learn from all of this? What what are some of the lessons that we can take away from these unconsciously unskilled relational moments? Well, one thing that that I've found is that we get in trouble when we put ourselves first in a relationship when we elevate our needs above the needs of another person. That makes us unconsciously unskilled. Secondly, in spite of our relational dysfunction, Jesus is gentle with us and uses our lack of skill as a teachable moment to show us how to do relationships right. Being unconsciously unskilled is not a birth defect. It's not a death sentence. We can change and we can learn from it and move to a higher level if we want to. A third lesson in all of these examples is how we need to examine ourselves and ask, what relational skills do I lack that I am not aware of? This is what I find kind of scary. What is it about ourselves that we just don't know? And the fourth and final lesson is this. No matter how skilled we are relationally now, At one time, we were all unconsciously unskilled when it comes to relationships. So because of this, we really should be showing grace and understanding to those who are now where we once were. The big question then is this, how will we know if we are unconsciously unskilled in our relationships? And if we are, how can we move up to the next level? Well, the big answer to this big question is the big idea, the the takeaway from today's episode, and our show in a sentence. We need others in our life 
whose relationship style we can observe and emulate, and one of those others needs to be Jesus. I'll repeat that. We need others in our life whose relationship style we can observe and emulate, and one of those others needs to be Jesus. Well, how can we respond to today's show? I think we can respond by asking ourselves, who are some people that I know who are very skilled relationally that I could model myself after? What relational qualities do they have that I would like for myself? And then ask Jesus to show us how we can develop those qualities. Well, coming up next week in episode 12, we'll take a look at the next level of relationship skill development, consciously unskilled. I'll be sharing examples from my own life that illustrates this next step in relational skill development. I'll show how we can all learn from our less than stellar relationship moments. And now for our quote of the week. It comes from Daniel Borstein, who wrote The Discoverers, A Man Searched to Know His World and Himself. And I love this quote. It's actually one of my, one of my top 10 favorite quotes of all time. And Borstein says this, The greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance. It's the illusion of knowledge. I need to say that one more time. The greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance. It's the illusion of knowledge. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening in. If you found it helpful and think it would be helpful to someone else, please refer the podcast on to them. As always, I would love to hear from you as to how the podcast is impacting you. Feel free to leave a comment in the show notes, or you can simply email your thoughts to me at john at caringforothers.org. And if you have the time, leaving a review and a rating in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast is always appreciated. Well, have a great week and look forward to being with you next time. Bye for now. Bye for now.